Welcome to the Dreams and Money podcast, the ultimate guide to creating and living your best life. Join me as I talk to inspiring, trailblazing millennials who are breaking barriers and being bosses in their careers and personal lives. Samuel Brooksworth is the CEO of Remotely and first came to public attention in 2016 when he became a contestant on BBC's The Apprentice. After The Apprentice, Samuel founded a learning platform supporting entrepreneurs in growing their businesses and helping professionals enhance their careers. On this episode, Samuel and I discuss building an online personal brand, his experience in The Apprentice and founding two businesses. We also talk about the challenges of accessing venture capital for minorities and how he overcame those challenges. So stay tuned in for more. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I mean, they do say black don't crack, so it's believable. (laughs) Okay. Welcome everyone to a new episode of the Dreams and Money podcast. As always, I bring entertaining conversation, inspiring guests with amazing stories. And today is no exception as I have Samuel Brooksworth, who you're probably familiar with because he's been on your TV screens before as a contestant on The Apprentice in 2016. Hi Samuel. Hey, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, of course. Um, so tell me a bit more about you. Introduce yourself to the people and let us get to know you. Okay, so uh, my name's Samuel Brooksworth. I'm currently the Chief Executive Officer of an organisation called Remotely. And we focus on getting virtual assistance, providing virtual assistance to organisations in the UK. And they're all based out in Ghana. So that's what I'm currently doing. So before we actually get into that, let's dial it back a bit to, let's do a little throwback. So this is not your first time heading a company. You're the founder of Build and Master? That's correct, yeah. So Tell um, me a bit more about that. So with, with Build and Master, I think that kind of began pretty much after my time with The Apprentice. And when I came off the show, I saw that a lot of individuals, especially in the UK, struggled in regards to setting up businesses. So it didn't really, a lot of young entrepreneurs had this ideology that it was difficult to set up a business. And when I'd speak to them or when they'd reach out to me, a lot of the conversations were in regards to funding or finance or law or business strategy or marketing. So I thought, you know what, let's just set up an organisation where we help a lot of budding entrepreneurs and professionals either grow their careers or understand how to grow their businesses. So what we've done is we set up masterclasses, seminars, workshops focused on law, finance, marketing and business strategy. And we'd get industry leading experts from all these different fields to come and do talks, again, masterclasses, seminars, courses, and show individuals how to grow their businesses. And over the course of the two, three years we ran the organization, we helped hundreds of businesses get set up, which was really, it was was a beautiful thing to see and something that we pride ourselves on because we kind of started to really help a lot of young entrepreneurs in the UK who wouldn't have had the knowledge beforehand to get set up in business. So it it was a beautiful period. And um, obviously due to the impacts of COVID-19 in 2020, it was difficult to sustain because most of our events were in person and transitioning to a completely online platform wasn't something that we were quite set up to do just at that moment in time. So that has slowly faded away. However, with the um, emergence of Remotely, it's kept me busy. <laughs> so it's, it's been a good transition. So with Build and Master, I can imagine a lot of the things that you were teaching the people that were on your programs, a lot yeah. of that knowledge also came from your experience on The Apprentice? Um, yes, yes and no. Um, I think yes in the sense that, yeah, what, when you're on the show, you learn so much. And, but it's, it's more so the knowledge you take onto that before I went into the show. It's, it was all the years of setting or trying to get set up and all the walls I hit and all the glass ceilings in which I had to try and break through 
and all the um, objections I received kind of built up a, a resistance and resilience, but also taught me a lot that about how to set up a business, which I wouldn't have known had I not gone through that process. And my mindset was always a case of, rather than other entrepreneurs in the UK going through that, let me share that knowledge and that experience of the years in which I've tried and failed and just not had the assistance or the guidance or the help needed to get things set up. Let me share that so that people don't have to encounter the same struggles and the same barriers that I encountered because I'm not going to lie, it was difficult. It was difficult for those years trying to set up. But yeah, hopefully that has enabled a lot more entrepreneurs to have a more streamlined process in regards to setting up their businesses. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And I, I appreciate that you're saying you were able to give these people the knowledge from your personal experiences and your failures and your mistakes so that they didn't have to repeat the mistakes that you did. And they can just almost like jump forward from your experience really so let's get into the apprentice i feel like to be on tv takes confidence one but to also be in a competition and a business competition at that takes another level of confidence in yourself and potentially facing rejection right by um, being fired off of the show so tell me what that one how you really got to that space where you felt comfortable and confident enough in your abilities in your skills in your business knowledge to put yourself up for the show um so to answer the first one i think the confidence kind of came from just the years of knowledge i'd built up so i knew that from the working experiences i had from managing the teams to growing different organizations i had that confidence in myself because I, i knew i was capable of doing it so um it was a case of me just putting myself forward knowing that I'd already had the years of experience so when I'd fall into situations that required me to really pull into that wealth of experience and I know it'd come to hand so that but then also uh, why I did it or why I put myself forward at that moment in time I wanted an opportunity that I didn't have before and I needed to get a platform that I didn't have before especially at that time in regards to funding as a young black man it's not easy getting funded in the UK it's definitely possible but especially when I was starting out it, it was not easy at all so um, when I was reaching out to people and speaking to them they didn't feel as though at times you could tell that they had this somewhat ideology that I didn't have the credibility required to get the funding that I was requesting so I felt so I needed to not only have the industry expertise which I had but to then also have that public credibility so that when I was approaching these individuals, the conversations were different because they were aware of who I was. So when I was speaking to them, hopefully, God willing, I didn't come across as an idiot on TV. <laughs> then when I'm speaking <laughs> to them, it's a case where we're having like very open, frank conversations. They're like, hey, cool, we're aware of who you are. You came across decently. Let's talk. So that's made it so much easier when I was approaching people in the business world and outside of the business world because then they were like, all right, cool, we know that. You're a credible individual. We're aware of who you are. You're not going to just run away and disappear. Let's talk. I'm like, cool. So that's why I ended up just putting myself forward and doing it. You mentioned that you face difficulties with receiving funding. Yeah. And a statistic I've come across before is that apparently it's only about 1% of Black people. I'm not sure if it's just Black women, but Black people who receive venture capital, which is ridiculous. Like only just 1%. Do you feel like that's partly to do with maybe us not actually applying for it due to fear of just being rejected? Or was it because we just don't know that it's out there and available to us to receive and apply for? 
Um, it's, it's a very complex thing when it comes to venture capitalism, but w- when it comes down to it, the nitty gritties of it, we, we can't run away from a lot of the racial biases when it comes to not just venture capitalism and funding and um, across everything in, in the UK. And I actually wrote an article about it, I think it was in the end of 2019, just going into depth about it and the lack of funding or the lack of opportunities that have been made available to a lot of black people in the UK. And I think as times go in, things are changing. There are great organisations that are making, helping create headway and creating opportunities for young black founders to have access to funding. I don't think young black founders are scared. I don't think they're shy. They have the knowledge, they have the capabilities, they have the great ideas, they've built great teams, they have the understanding of how to navigate their areas and their fields. I think it's just got to a point where the same level of opportunity needs to be granted to the black founders as, as, as they are to all other primarily white founders. And I think we're getting there. Things are changing. Barriers are being broken. But um, as time goes on, yeah, it should improve. Um, yeah, what will need to happen, which is happening, is initially we need more black venture capitalists and more black individuals that are making funding available. Because when you look at venture capital firms and a lot of the individuals who are able to release funding to a lot of these founders, the majority of them are white. And um, you find that you tend to want to work with or give to individuals who not only look like you, but you feel as though you can connect with and that I think has been one of the primary barriers whereas now we're finding there are more venture capitalist firms and more um, accelerator programs and more incubator programs that are more diverse who understand different individuals from different cultural backgrounds better it's becoming more available to more people which I feel is the diversity has been the issue now diversity is now being implemented change is slowly happening I agree with you what you're saying about the change will definitely become greater from the top and not necessarily from the founders who are applying for funding. And like you said, right, we do help and we do connect with people that look like us. And if we have more venture capitalists who are diverse, then hopefully that would then reflect in the founders that are receiving this funding. So when it comes to your experience on on The Apprentice, what's something that you feel you took away from that experience? And what are some challenges that you didn't expect to come across? Like outside of just the actual challenges you were doing on the show, what are some challenges that you face as an individual that you may not have expected? Um, I think the main challenge, as not just on the show, but in, in general, was um, working with individuals that you just wouldn't work with on a day-to-day basis. Um, and that's one thing that I think wasn't so hard for me, having managed a very diverse groups in the past. But I found it something that other individuals very much struggled with. And they, you'd find that they'd bring a lot of, I think the best word to use is pride in regards to things that they would do. And having to navigate negotiate and try to figure out the best ways to work with these different individuals was a key skill that was required because a lot of times when you work with different individuals from different backgrounds with different understanding pride cannot be what is you need to put pride to one side because if you allow that to come to the equation then you won't be able to work collaboratively and work well when it comes to certain tasks and certain things so um I think it was learning just, it was learning more so to manage and work with different individuals in in very, very stressful environments that we were placed in. And again, when we talk about the show, a lot of people feel as though um, the tasks that we undertake or things that we do, it's almost like we've got free reign or free creativity. A lot of people aren't aware that a lot of the things we're doing, we're given options. So we haven't got much creativity in regards to the things we actually do on tasks. A lot of your options 
yeah, a lot of your option base. So when you watch a show, which is why a lot of people are like, oh, why have you done that? Or why do people do that? Why, if I'd done it, I'd have done things differently. Of course, that wouldn't create entertaining TV. So they give you options in regards to the colours you can pick or the names you can pick or the things you do on the show. So when you're going on to it and you're picking options, obviously that's creating more stress. Um, you can't speak to your family or friends, like 10 minute phone call a week. You haven't got no TV, no music, no fa- no no books you can read. You're stuck in the house, bored with individuals that you you would not on a day-to-day basis work with. You genuinely got 20 minutes in the morning to wake up. You don't know what time it is during the day. Like you go to bed at two, three in the morning. You're woken up by a camera crew three, four hours later. It's just very highly stressed. So in the midst of all that stress, you then can't allow your pride to take control. You need to just literally control yourself and learn to work with other people from very different backgrounds. Yeah, and with all of that going on, you've got the camera crews in your face, you're thinking about the task, or you're also thinking about how you're coming across as an individual and how you will be judged on TV. Like, is that something that was kind of in the back of your mind constantly? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're you're thinking... I don't want to disgrace myself in front of my family, my <laughs> friends. In front of the entire, you're thinking like, I just need to come across correct. But at the same time, each week, there's over 100 hours of footage per task that is edited into a less than an hour. So honestly, your hands are at the mercy of the producers and the editors. They can make you come across any way. Like, you could have been the most correct individual in every task, but the edits will finish you. So it's a case where as much as you try to act cool, calm, collected, you may have that one moment where you slipped up or you're speaking to someone in some way, you're having a casual conversation, and they'll edit that to make you look to make you look different in it. So yeah. it doesn't matter how correct you try to come across, your, your hands, you're, you're at the mercy of the editors. So yeah, sometimes you have to, and that's one thing a lot of people need to realise when they go on TV, like, it's for entertainment, so they will edit you for the purposes of entertainment. Of course. Actually, like, I was watching an interview of somebody that went on a reality show and they were saying that they would edit things and piece things together when it actually didn't happen in that sequence. Certain things didn't happen on the same day. So when they've then pieced certain things together, it's created a whole complete different story to the actual reality of it. Yeah, yeah. Which is absolutely... Almost, I feel like it's it's borderline immoral and yeah, just immoral because you, you're you're creating a false reality of of something that didn't happen. But anyway, just quickly, I know your brother was on Love Island as well. Um, yes. So when your brother was on Love Island, did you give him any any pointers, any tips before he went on? Um, honestly, because I knew how stressful it could potentially be and how difficult it would be, all I said to him just be yourself. Just go in there and be yourself because everything and all the advice and all the things you say to individuals before they go to TV, once they're there, it goes out the window. When the camera's on you and the pressure's on and there are individuals moving mad around you, you forget all the advice you've been given. <laughs> so I said to him, honestly, just go in there and be yourself because at the end of the day, that's all you can be and that's all you can do. How they edit you, you've got to realise that you're signing up for it, but you're at the mercy of the editors and the producers, but just go in there and be you. So no matter how they edit it, we're just seeing you. And um, luckily, well, I, I felt for him, obviously, that the edits weren't, weren't as kind. However, most of the time, you saw him just being him. So afterwards, you're like, all right, cool. I, I may or may not like this individual, but when you follow the person's journey outside after the show, you're like, I, I see who they really are as a person. So I'm happy and proud of how far we got and what he did. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. With your experience of TV, how did it change your life, if you feel like it did? Um, yeah, I think with TV, at the end of the day, you're exposed, you're put in front of an audience of 
well, for the apprentice, six million viewers every night the show's on TV. So you're put in front of a huge audience of individuals who are now aware of you that weren't aware of you before. So um, even if your life doesn't change drastically, you find that you're now able to network with individuals who you weren't able to before. You're now able to connect with people that you weren't able to connect with before. So I found that for me personally, it helped massively in business, which was always my aim and always my goal to ensure that I was able to connect with individuals in business that would enable me to move forward in my business career and, and any business in general. And that's where it helped because now when I was speaking to or approaching people, they were aware of who I was. And that for me was key. And that's what's helped me massively on my journey so far. Yeah. What are some things, I guess, you would say you learned from that experience that have just helped you to where you are now and helped you most the person that you are and that we see now? Yeah. Um, well, one, one of the key things I think I've learned and that's really aided me is well my key word authenticity just be yourself and I think especially in the age of social media where you got all these filters and you end up posting the picture that gives you the best angle which again I'm, I'm not against it if you're going to post that one picture you got to make sure it looks good but you live, <laughs> we, we live in a world now where um, people aren't as authentic as they can be because they're scared of their opinions or the viewpoints of others which again is understandable that there's so much social pressure and there's so much pressure to, to, to be perceived and seen in a certain way but i've just come to the realization especially after the show authenticity is key there will be people that will just not like you whether it's in business or in life they just won't like you. and there will be people who just like you as long as you're yourself that's all you can do because at the end of the day the more authentic you are as an individual and the more true to what true you are to yourself you'll find doors will open for you that you never saw happening or opening for you just because you're being you and there's only one you so be you and see what happens in your own skin whereas if you're trying to be someone else doors that are meant to open for you may not open so authenticity has been key I love that. And that actually ties into my next question about personal branding. I feel like um, as I was doing my Googles about you, what came across was you have a very strong personal brand. Like what you represent is very clear from the sort of articles that you write in the Voice newspaper to the fact that you work for The Guardian and the work that you've done in business to The Apprentice to your new business now is very clear even just from the from your personal website, what do you think is the importance of building a strong personal brand? And do you feel like as individuals, we need to make more effort into creating that personal brand? Yeah, 100%. Um, as a salesperson, I found that people buy into people. I've always said with my sales teams, at the end of the day, like you can have 20 people on the sales team selling the same product or the same service but then you always get one person coming out on top. So clearly yeah. the thing that's different, the thing that's different, the, the team members isn't the product or the service because you're all selling the same service. The thing that's different, the, the sales team are the individuals that are selling the service or, or the product. And you find that the individuals who are able to connect better with other individuals are the ones that do best. And in order to connect with other individuals better, people need to have a good understanding of who you are understand where you're coming from, understand your story. Just, they need to see transparency and authenticity. And what's beautiful is that we live in an age where um, 
it's so easy for us to create that now through our social media platforms, whether it's Instagram or Twitter, which admittedly I'm not great with. <laughs> However, the, 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 the small you can do when you search me or when you, when you kind of see about me, you get a good understanding of the kind of individual I am. And it's, it's so important that you're able to just put across who you are as an individual and represent yourself or put yourself out there as what you want people to view you as or how you are. Because then that's what people buy into. That's what people see. That's what people, you know what, that's the kind of person I would work with. Well, that's the kind of person I want to associate myself with. Well, that's the kind of person I, I aspire to be like. So it's important that you're just true to yourself and you put yourself out there as who you want to be seen. And personal branding is so, so key for that. And, and we're finding that, again, in regards to business specifically, as businesses grow, we're, we're seeing more and more of a case where individuals are pretty much the centerpiece of businesses. Not all businesses, um, but when you think of Microsoft, you think of Bill Gates, for example. When you think of Amazon, you think of Jeff Bezos. When you think of even all UK organisations, Jim Chark, you think of um, Ben Francis. When you think of Social Chain, you think of Steve Bartlett. When you think of certain businesses, you think of certain individuals based on how their social presence and how they carry themselves in very positive, in very well-managed ways. And their presence has grown their businesses and it has grown and has helped to shed light on their business based on how their personal journeys and their personal growth has been. So it's not entirely essential in entirety to your business. You can have a business and be a completely hidden individual, which is perfectly fine. Um, but I just do think it's important that you maintain or you have a good personal brand so that you come across as the individual that you want to be seen as. Yeah, absolutely. And even if you don't have a business, I think as social media will continue to grow and be a part of our lives, I mean, it's not going anywhere. I think a personal brand really does speak for you. And that's just like a, it's a fortunate and unfortunate reality because sometimes, you know, somebody may not know you, but because of this quote unquote personal brand, which you have built via social media or just like the internet, they have an idea of who they think you are before they've met you. And I guess it's just being about cautious of that. Do you feel like it's an important part of selling yourself these days or maybe just even people being attracted to you and wanting to get to know you or attracting people to you really without you having to do the work, if that makes any sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, again, when, when it's personal branding, it's, it can be somewhat difficult because not, not everybody wants to be that person that's out there or promoting or showing themselves, which, which again, is completely fine. You do not need to be that person. But if you are that person who does want to ensure that you put out or maintain a good personal brand, then just be vigilant of the things you put out there and put, be vigilant of the kind of things that you show and the way you represent yourself. Because again, you may be the most chilled, the most calm, the most cool, calm and collected individual. But if your socials, are contrary to that people can only see and believe what they see in our socials so it's so important so important what you put out there and how you portray yourself if you're trying to portray yourself as as a, um, a really smart intelligent witty uh, business person but all you post on your socials are just like i don't know party pictures then you really want people to take you seriously as a business person like you, you need to be aware that people can only see what you're putting out there so it's important that in that instance that you're just more vigilant maybe you have your own personal instagram you put on private you can share with your family and friends about you doing your thing which is completely calm or on, on, on your public profile then be very careful about how you present yourself because then if you want to if you want to be seen as a certain person and that's all people are seeing is the contrary then you can't be mad when people don't view you in the way that they've not not seeing you portrayed on socials so um, it's all about just literally putting out yeah putting out what you want to be seen as so people are right 
like cool i get it again i'm not saying don't do these things because that makes again it's important you create a personality of who you are there's nothing wrong with going out enjoying your life and doing a thing which again i think can tie in well with business but at the same time you need to show that you're credible and knowledgeable in certain fields so people understand that you know what yes you're doing going out and doing your things your per your person your personal goal you're just being you however i can all see the credible of this and this and this because i see what they speak about and i can see that they have the knowledge understanding and the um, into this certain field based off what i've seen them out there you can't assume people know what you're talking about if you don't ever talk about it in essence absolutely absolutely hey if you are loving this episode so far make sure you subscribe for automatic updates whenever there's a new episode recommend the podcast to your best friend and of course follow me on instagram details will be in the show notes now back to the episode so let's get into your business, the new business which you've just launched. Tell me about how it came about and what the process was like for creating that. Yes, so it came about over the course of this year, actually. So um, this year where we've seen the impacts of COVID-19 hit businesses in the UK massively. As an account director of The Guardian, I work with a lot of other um, top-level execs across different organisations in the UK and having conversations with them on LinkedIn, over phone calls, a lot of them were having to make a lot of their stuff redundant, um, obviously after the whole furloughing period. And a lot of those redundancies were happening with lower level roles in quotes. So personal assistants, um, executive assistants, personal assistants, certain individuals in the, in the finance team. So kind of admin, administrative roles. So that's one aspect of it. And the second aspect was graduates, um, especially new graduates, graduates who have graduated in the last two, three years, or fresh graduates. We were seeing that things were difficult for them. And especially in the UK, graduate employment, this is the worst numbers-wise since 2008 when we had the financial crash. And right now in Ghana, which is my home, my, like, where I'm from, we've got over 700,000 unemployed graduates. So I was like, we need to do something about this. We can't have all this graduate unemployment. On the flip side, all these businesses in the UK struggling. We've got all these credible, qualified individuals around the world who can help them with the tech and the understanding and knowledge we have these days. So I spoke to Kwame, who was who's our COO, and he was the ex-head of finance at Unilab. And he helped grow them from about five staff members to just north of 200 and turnover of 300,000 to just over 10 million in three years. So he wow. had that. That's he incredible. Had that, yeah. yeah, yeah. So he has that wealth of understanding and knowledge in regards to startups alongside my knowledge of helping staffs, alongside my sales ability within the garden. We're like, let's, let, let's marry all this. Let's, let's create something that can help Ghanaians as well as help businesses. That's when we started thinking and brainstorming and we came up with this. So getting really skilled individuals in Ghana to work as virtual assistants for organisations in the UK. So when we first started, we started obviously um, putting out adverts that we're hiring and we had, a, as you can imagine, an influx of individuals in Ghana who were applying for jobs and it was way too much for us so we had to start narrowing because obviously you can have really really good applicants and you can have really really bad applicants we're like we need to start streamlining this so we're getting only good applications so we created a partnership with a university in Ghana called um, Shesi who are um, probably one of the most prestigious universities in Africa who have gone on to have excellent alumni who are doing incredible things around the world so we get them to post our roles on their alumni group and then we get a funnel of alumni from them guys to apply for us alongside other universities who um, we're working with and we're getting them to push through applicants as well. So since then, we've just got really, really strong virtual assistants um, out in Ghana who we hired first. And then we started then um, employee business development managers in the UK who work at um, targeting and looking at businesses in the UK we can work with. And it's just grown. It's, it's grown a lot faster. We expected to start getting businesses on board by March. 
but already we're in December and we've got loads of businesses on board, loads of virtual assistants on board, loads of business development managers on board um, to the point where now all our VAs were working in Ghana remotely from home. Now we're having to, well, Kwame's actually now in Ghana. Um, we're now having to open up office space. We'll look at open office space end of January slash February. We have to open it up now or find office space now to accommodate these guys because uh, we need them to all work from one place to have good stable internet connection but also create a company culture out there. So things are just growing a lot faster than before and we're just grateful that we can, again, both help organisations in the UK who desperately need that administrative assistance for a really cost-effective price as well as supporting graduates in Ghana who are now on great salaries compared to the average Ghanaian salary. But then they're also impacting international organisations with their skill sets to understand their knowledge and also obviously doing administrative tasks as well. So that is, in a nutshell, that's what we're doing. Wow, you. I mean, like I said, you guys sound like you're growing so much and there's so much that we can look forward to seeing you guys grow and flourish and take over. With the year coming to an end and obviously we're about to go into 2021, what are you looking forward to doing in 2021 with the company and as, as an individual? Um, 2021, well, first of all, I'm, I'm just looking forward to moving out to Ghana. So um, <laughs> I'll be moving out there um, end of this month and I'll be out there for a little while just so we can um, help set up operations and obviously open up uh, probably one or two office spaces out there and start spreading across Africa. So that, that, that's my long-term goal remotely. That's, that's what we're currently doing. And I'm really excited about that. So um, as that's going, that's looking amazing. Um, personally, I'm just looking forward to seeing more individuals granted opportunities that they didn't have before. And my thing's always, I think everyone has their life goals and everyone has the things that they aspire to do or they get happy from doing. And mine's always been helping individuals and taking them from places that they were to places that they didn't expect or didn't think they could get to. And with Remotely, we've just been able to provide a lot of individuals in the UK with jobs, especially during this tough period, which has been phenomenal. And when you see their growth in organisation, how they're growing, that's been beautiful. We've had um, our first VA been appointed as a new team leader. And when you see her growth and how she's growing and how she's managing a new staff, that again, it's, it's, it's just, I don't know, the pride and the joy we're getting from that is it's beautiful. So oh, that's, just, yeah. Yeah, uh, you must be like so people. proud to see that, knowing that, you know, you've, you've had a direct impact on someone else's life and their growth and their career progression. But you know what? It's, it's actually the other way around. They're having a direct impact on our lives because they're taking all responsibilities and helping the company grow. But then it's a case where when you're tapping into their understanding, their knowledge, their skill sets and giving them opportunities to do things that they didn't know they could do, we didn't know they could do, it's impacting everyone else so massively. And obviously the joy they're bringing us, the joy they're bringing other people, it's just phenomenal. So it's like, um, that's what I'm looking forward to in 2021, just seeing others win. And um, the more that happens, the more others win the more others win as well the more they impact others around them so um, yeah that's what i'm looking forward to in 2021 just hoping that 2021 is a better year as a collective as opposed to set individuals who have profited massively off the back of 2020 i'm just hoping that more people can win in 2021 as well amen to that amen to that um so quickly with build and master is that a platform um, and a resource that people can still tap into like as you mentioned it has been so useful for those individuals who were able to take part in your programs go to your events um, and learn from you is that still available as a platform or um, would that be coming back anytime soon that, that's a really good question. Um, and that's something that we've been talking on as a team, something that we may consider in 2021. Right now, both my hands are so tired of remotely. <laughs> right now, it's, it's not one of my um, primary aims. But what, what I found is beautiful is that in the UK, especially, we found a lot of other 
black founders who have been able to set up such networks and be able to set up such programs that do exactly what Build Master was doing. So helping individuals get started with business, um, helping them get access to funding, helping them pushing their careers, which has been beautiful. So even if Build Master doesn't come back, there are enough other organizations that are taking up that space that can do the same thing, if not better. So um, that's what's been encouraging for us to know that we, 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 we pretty much help pioneer something that's, that's really kicking off in the UK and moving forward. Uh, we just hope, see, we hope that more individuals will benefit from these kind of organizations and the more they benefit from organizations, the more that they grow, the more they help others bring others in to, to win and grow as well. So um, even if we don't come back, I'm happy and I believe that space is in good hands and others will be able to take up the mantle to do exactly what we were doing and hopefully better. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, at least you, you're right. Like there are so many individuals doing amazing things to connect others, to plug in others into what they're doing, into spreading information, particularly with whether that's funding business startups or just any sort of help that we need. I think we're definitely doing a better job as a community of putting each other on and just helping each other out. And something that I've definitely been using in terms of educating myself or just plugging myself into different areas and small communities that I'm not in is using Clubhouse. I'm not sure if you've heard about it or it's it's a very new app that just launched, I think, within the last two months or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've heard of Clubhouse. It's been really, really great for, so it's basically for anyone who doesn't know what it is, it's almost like Twitter, but with different rooms and different people going into these different rooms and having actual conversations or audio conversations versus just seeing a tweet or versus just seeing, you know, like a picture like you would see on Instagram. And with Clubhouse, there's so many different conversations from like business owners having conversations about let's say struggles that they're having or sharing tips on marketing or whatever it is so it's a really really amazing app for that so I would absolutely recommend joining and being involved in all these different communities and um, it's such a good way to to create relationships and to build your network as well but um, okay I will jump in and say however though just for the individuals who are going to jump on be very selective with the individuals you follow and that's what potentially ruined my clubhouse experience where i was following like you were saying following amazing people in the business and it was really good getting into really good rooms but the moment you start following the wrong individuals then you start to see their rooms and their groups and the things that they put on and that's what can ruin the clubhouse experience but then you start seeing groups that you don't really want to be seen in clubhouse so just be very wary of the people you follow because then you then their network opens up to you and you start seeing their groups and if you're not trying to see like um ratchet kind of stuff and you're trying to really see business kind of stuff just be very wary of the individuals you follow (laughs) yeah definitely definitely okay so before we let you go i've got a couple fire on questions for you are you ready i'm ready i'm ready okay so what's one thing you would say 2020 has taught you in two words patience resilience um love Oh, that's beautiful. And what's something you are learning about yourself at the moment? Ooh, what, in three words again? Yeah. Um, that, no, nah, that is a good question. Um, or maybe not creative. a word. Okay, creative. I didn't realise I'm as creative as I am. I think with this year, with not having as many people at my um, disposal as I would have previously had, with a lot of people obviously struggling, I've had to do things such as create websites, graphic design <laughs> that I would have never done before. So um, I've learned I'm more creative than I, I thought I was. And that's literally just been because I've had to do a lot myself this year. Yeah. 
Okay, I love that. And what is something you have, I mean, it's been a horrendous year for everybody, but what's something that you feel like you enjoyed about lockdown, if there's just one thing? Did I really enjoy lockdown though? Um... <laughs> <laughs> if, if you had to pick something positive that came out of lockdown, how about that? Oh, okay. Something that positive that came out of lockdown. Um, I feel as though um, I've potentially grown a little bit. Height-wise, I think I've now passed the six-foot marker. I think I was the smallest guy in my household by an inch. I was 5'11". I think I've grown. I think, I think I've been to sleep. I've been able to sleep a bit more. So um, I think that's been a bit of lockdown. The sleeping and stretching, I think, has taken me potentially over six foot, I think. So um, I've put sleep as my which I think has helped me grow a little bit more. So thank okay. you, 20, thank you, 2020. Yeah. <laughs> well, we I'm thank 2020 for that. Well, yeah. apparently I need to start sleeping more then because I've been a shorty for like forever. Like I'm tired of being short. I'm trying to be a tall, cute babes, but you know, it is what it is. You. you know what, yeah? Them morning stretches help, you know, like, you know when that yeah, you got to stretch, like okay. just have that good stretch in the morning. I think they really, really help um, the spine just um, expand a little bit. So I'll be stretching so, a lot more when I wake up. So that's So helps. a bit of a morning yoga is like your tip. Okay. I like that. I'll, I'll, I'll adopt that to my morning routine. <laughs> <laughs> but that is it, Samuel. Thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you. Where, thank where you. can we find you on socials? Can we follow you? Where can we find more information about you, about remotely, and how can we potentially get your services? Um, so socials. I say all this about personal branding, then you'll probably say I'm not the most active person on social media. Ironic. But <laughs> Instagram, Samuel Brooksworth. Um, LinkedIn, I'm on LinkedIn. So that's just Samuel Brooksworth again. Um, and in regards to remotely, our handles are just remotely. So R-E-M-O-T-E-L-I. And it's just remotely.co.uk. So if you require or if you want to have a conversation, jump on our website, fill out the section at the end, or just send me a personal email, samuel.booksworth at remotely.co.uk. And we'll just have a good, um, I'll connect to you, connect myself, one of the business development managers, and we'll have a good conversation about our services and how we can best assist you moving forward. Okay. Yeah. So make sure to check out remotely. And if you know anybody that has a business, if you don't have a, a business yourself and you feel like they would benefit from remotely and the services that they offer, make sure to check them out. They're absolutely amazing. And that is it. Thank you guys for listening oh. and I will catch you on the next one. Bye. Yeah.